Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. Welcome to the Lux Calor International Sports on a Sunday morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. Here's more with the greatest player of his generation among St. Louis Cardinals, Albert Pujols on my garage happy hour. But Albert, you know all about awards. I mean, you uh, you won awards. Uh, you, you've been an incredible player through your career, but I know those championships mean so much to you, and I want to review the two of them. You had some really, really close calls, too. I mean, you had some really good teams you were on. 01 and 02, mm-hmm. those were good teams. Mm-hmm. 03 was a good team, uh, but, but you couldn't make it to the playoffs that year. That 04 team was unbelievable. Tell me about the transition. So 04 and 05, really good baseball teams, Albert. 04, I would put a top five Cardinal team of all time. Mm-hmm. How did you get to the point where 2006, a team that won 83 games, suddenly caught fire? and was able to win it all, a world championship, finally for St. Louis? Well, I think, you know, you go back uh, leadership. You know, everything started with, uh, you know, our manager, Hall of Fame manager, Antonio La Russa, and our coaching staff. And then, you know, uh, the front office with Walt Jokeri and her, uh, putting a great team every year, pretty much, uh, for us to have a chance to be uh, in a playoff. And I think, you know, when we hit camp every year, you know, it was it was just about that, about winning, about winning and, and, and nothing but that. So we were spending ourselves, you know, to be in the playoff pretty much every year, you know. And I think, uh, you know, uh, that in 06, it, it was just something that, you know, we just caught up on fire on the right time. Uh, the team played well. We had a couple of pieces, but I think a lot of the young players, too, uh, that we had. I mean, uh, Anthony Reyes, I believe he was our, our opening star mm-hmm. that year. You know, and guys that really nobody uh, was expecting to uh, put it uh, to help us to win. They, they came out huge for us. And I think you have to do that. And I think Tony and our coaches were so great on putting a team together not just the, the superstar player that go out there every day and play 150 games, but the guys that are on the bench, you know, they came out huge for us, the John Jay, the Daniel DeCastle. And, you know, from 2001 to 2011, that's, that's what I saw in, in the Cardinals organization, you know, the Miguel Caro, Eduardo Perez, you know, and then you added Larry Walker, Reggie Sandelero, Woody Willing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when you have a great mix – of veteran players and young players that are willing to to listen to the veteran guys and put that chemistry together, man, it's just a powerhouse. And that's what happened in those years, you know, from 01 to 2000, uh, 
11. Uh, obviously, uh, 04 was a heartbreaking uh, because the way we lost. But I think you could have picked maybe 25 all-star player, and they wouldn't beat the Boston Rexel that year. That year was the, yeah. I mean, the way that they came out and beat the Yankees three games in a row, I mean, it just nobody was going to be that team. I mean, they were just fired up, you know. So I think we flipped that page. I thought we we had a pretty good chance maybe to to make a really good series. We got swept. But then we, we were back out in 2005. We were just a few games away from going back to the World Series, you know. And here we are 2006, you know. We and the NLCS, you know, facing the New York Mets, one of the tough teams in the National League, and we go in game seven, you know, and Wainwright came up and closed it up for us, and here we are, you know, and getting one of the World Series, you know, and beating one of the best pitchers in the game in our generation, you know, Justin Berlander. So I think, you know, it just, uh, you know, everything starts from the top, and then it cripples all the way to the bottom, and I think everybody know what we need to do to get ourselves ready for the game every day. And that's how we did it, man. I mean, I'm pretty sure, uh, as you know, I can tell you, we were in some teams that probably, uh, and those Cardinals year, there were so many teams that I were in and the guys were like, oh, we're going to run the show. We're going to win 100 games. And we never did it. And there were other things that people were not expecting us to win, like in 2006. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up winning the World Series, you know. So I think everything goes by... Uh, you know, staying healthy. And if you're not staying healthy, having guys that can come up, you know, and feel for those guys that that can miss one or two weeks because of injuries. And, and Tony did an unbelievable job and our coaching staff also. And, and Dave Duncan, uh, I'm preparing our pitching. I mean, and Jose Kendo, I'm getting those infielders day in and day out ready to play. I had uh, Tony on the show and we reminisced and, and talked about you. And I remember uh, back, gosh, I want to say it was 03 when I was sitting in his office. A few of us were in there and he said, Albert Pujols is the best player I ever managed. And, you know, <laughs> we're sitting there like, I mean, of course, I mean, you're a tremendous player. And at the time you were, your career was exploding. Um, it was it, you had a special relationship with him. What is it like to have him back in your organization now? It's awesome. I mean, I have to deal with him every day now. <laughs> still, <laughs> no. Tony, Tony's pretty special. Tony's always been pretty special. Tony's like a dad to me. I mean, somebody that I can pick up the phone anytime and call him and just ask for advice. Um, you know, also, also, you know, uh, Mark McGuire. You know, I can call him anytime. He's my neighbor. Pretty much, it's just down the street. I mean, you know, one thing that you learn in this game is that you play this game for so long, but after the game, you you want to leave that legacy, but you also want to build the relationship. And with Tony, that's something that I have done. You know, I have built a, a great relationship from day one, uh, starting from spring training, and everything went by the way that I approached again. Uh, I never took anything for granted. I, I worked hard every day, day in and day. Even right now, you know, uh, yeah, I'm 40 years old, but I feel like like 25 pretty much, you know, because I'm healthy. But it's all my work at it. And I think Tony fell in love with that. He knew that, yes, I had success early in my life and nothing changed. My dream was always, and my goal was always trying to win a championship like he was. And, you know, like I say, uh, He's like a dad to me and somebody that I really, really respect. Uh, 
Uh, when he says something to me, I, I really listen. And most of the time, 99% of the time, he's, he's right, <laughs> you know. So it just really is really good to have him, uh, you know, in the NGO organization and really uh, work out or talk or just just uh, ask questions. I told the guys in the team, I'm like, man, that's somebody that you need to pick the brain, you know, because he's been in this game for so long. So it's always good to see him every day, you know, uh, whenever uh, I go to the stadium and chat and, and just talk baseball, man. Tony just loves baseball. No, he absolutely does and, and knows the game. And I learned so much from him as well. And, you know, I, his managing jobs throughout his career were absolutely remarkable. The 2011 season, so, you know, it, it had gotten tough. I mean, and Tony had always said, you know, I, I'll be back next year if they want me back. You know, I want to earn it back. And, you know, 07, 08, they missed the playoffs. 09, you, you make it, but the Dodgers got you pretty quickly. And, and 10, it didn't go well. And so, you know, what, what's going to happen to this team? And, and the team does not do that all that well. I mean, it's August. You're 10 and a half games out. You're kind of sputtering. You know, mm-hmm. Wayno goes out early with that injury. Mm-hmm. But before I get to that, I want to, I want to ask you this. I don't think it's talked about enough, and it remind. I was reminded watching the Last Dance, and I saw you wearing the Jumpman on your shirt there. The Michael Jordan documentary, like they went through that entire, they went through that entire season knowing that it's possible this is it, and not that you felt that way, but like, how did you manage going through an entire year, knowing that you know, it's possible that this is the last year that I'm a Cardinal. Like how, how did you block that out or did you? You know what, for me, I blocked that out the moment the uh, negotiation stopped and that I stopped in spring training because I, I don't think the fans deserve it. Uh, you know, for us to be talking about that during the course of the season, it was about trying to win a championship. And that year we had a really good ball club. So I'm really good when it comes to black things. And, and, and you know, we already have so many distractions in this game. Yeah. And, and definitely that's something that I was able to control and, and make sure that this is not about me. This is about 25 players and coaching staff and clubhouse staff that want to win a championship. So, you know, as soon as opening day start, man, that was my, my drive. My drive was to try to have the best year uh, that I can have and help that ball club uh, winning a championship. And that was our goal. And, and I was able to do that. Um, you know, um, you know, you, you mentioned it. I mean, the, the addition that we had during the course of the year too, uh, bringing the hotel and bringing for, for car to the ball club, uh, help us a lot. But, uh, I think, you know, that, that, that's something that I always done in my life, I'm really trying to block really distraction and, and really stay focused on the things that I really want to do. And, and that's what I did. And, and just like, you know, you said, well, how do you guys pull it off? Uh, you know, I remember when we played the Braves, we were 11 and a half games out. And when we were able to sweep the Mets, I mean the Braves, and then going to Philadelphia and facing the Cole Hammond, Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday, and uh, Roy Oswa, and we took three out of four from those guys. I'm like, guys, we are in. And then we end up winning 27 games out of 32, you know, to make to make up all those ground in September. Uh, 
was pretty pretty amazing, pretty special. And but we could have done it without all the veteran leadership, you know, and, and really stay dry and stay really concentrating the things that we wanted to do, you know. And at the end of the day, we end up winning that championship. Uh, things didn't go the right way that we wanted for the Cardinals organization of mine because I, you know, I went somewhere else, but I never wish anything but best to the organization, you know, and, and, and always rooting for them. And like I say, the decision that I make uh, at that time, I, I thought myself that I did everything that I could to be there, but I wouldn't change a thing. You know, this is something that I pray about it a lot. And people will say, well, it hasn't been the best year like it was in the Cardinals. You know what? At the end of the day, I don't look like that, man. This this is a decision that I pray to the Lord first. I discussed with my family. Um, you know, I knew 100% that I did everything that I could and my power to try to stay there. It didn't happen. I didn't talk bad about the organization because I love that organization. They gave me that opportunity. And, you know, I, I never wish anything but the best students. So, As I mentioned, it suddenly, the screen went out. And so Albert said, hey, are you still there? <laughs> and I was, and we were. And that's what I love about the Garage Happy Hour is that things just sort of like can come to a quick stop. So we went into a commercial. Albert came back into the Byerly RV commercial and said he wanted to ride in an RV. Made the sponsor pretty happy, I'll tell you that. We'll take a break, come back a little bit more of Albert and then John Mosellock at 1130. We're having a good morning. What a gorgeous, beautiful day in St. Louis. Sports on a Sunday morning back after this. From KMOX Sports, here's the pit. Welcome back to the Lux Calor International Sports on a Sunday morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. You know, James, one of the other things he said during that Byerly RV commercial, Albert Pujols said, I'm getting ready to retire soon. I'm like, what? Huh? I asked him a little bit about that here in this conversation. This is Garage Happy Hour with Albert Pujols. We know that you love the Cardinal organization, and then the Cardinals fans love you. I think, to be honest, you know, for, for the entire group, it probably took a little while to warm up to the fact that you were playing it for another team, but... Uh, mm -hmm. Boy, that was an incredible reception that you received, and what an unbelievable home run you hit, too, to ignite <laughs> that crowd. Of your 660 home runs that you've hit in your career, uh, 659, you're about to hit 660 to tie Willie Mays, <laughs> but of 659, uh, this is maybe an unfair question, but in the regular season, is there one that stands out to you? Do you have, or do you have a moment not necessarily winning a championship necessarily, as we know you love putting on that ring, but is there something that stands out to you that you're especially proud of in your career, maybe that doesn't get enough play? Um, I don't know. Besides winning the championship ring, I would say the home runs that I hit last year, uh, you know, in front of 45,000 people, you know. I even know we didn't get to win the game, but uh, to be able to to go to Bush Stadium and do that and knowing that they were looking for me to, to hit a home run there. I mean, it was it was pretty special. So I would say I, I, I have to say that one, uh, you know, personal for me. Uh, and then obviously when it comes to postseason, you know, that's like the biggest stage. Uh, the three home run gang in, in Texas, that was, that was huge because we just, lost a tough game on game two so we really need to win game three in texas 
and we were able to wake up our bats and score what was it, 15, 18 runs, whatever runs we scored in that game. Right. And I was able 16. to to accomplish something that at that time there were only two players that done it. And then a year after me, Pablo Sandoval did it. Um, that was pretty special. That was pretty special, you know, uh, to be able to do that. And, and I remember getting in that bus, uh, going into the stadium. I told the guy, I'm like, jump on my back. It's my day today. The, I, literally, I know I was going to hit 300 that night. Well, you and, know, you, I, made, and I, you made an error the game before, right? Yeah, well, late in the game. It was, a, it was an error that if you look at that throw from John Jay, they they made a big thing. The media made it a big thing. But if you go back to 2011 and you look that throw from Centerfield, that ball was going to go to the dugout. And what I was mm-hmm. trying to do, I was trying to cut up that ball and try to make a quick throw to the plate and hopefully, or even throw the second base and and and, and get the out in second. Uh, unfortunately, he hit the tip of my glove and then they tried to blame me that we lost that game because I made that error and all that. The run was going to score anyway. We lost 2-1, you know what, but I mean, did that I, fire I, you up for the next game? Is that part of the reason why you said that to the to your teammates, or were you uh, like, no, nah. no, nah, nah, because I try not to let those people that are trying to be smarter than you, you know, always right. trying to be smart, figuring it out. Probably guys that never threw the ball in the field before, <laughs> try not to use it as a motivation for me to go out there and perform the next day. I don't need, I don't need that, you know. I, I just. I just, the next day we flew into Texas, we had practice, and I remember the, the day of the game, I told the guys, I'm like, jump in my bag, it's my day today. Remember, I haven't had a base seat yet. I got like three hit by pitch and like three or four walks and, and between those first two games. So I haven't had a hit yet. So I start with two base hit, and then I end up finish with, with three homers. Uh, but I think bigger than that, it was just uh, to be able to, to win game three because that was huge for us you know, um, to try to go there after a tough loss in San Luis. Do you get booed in Texas? A lot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that, that Brales home run, I don't know if it did good for me, <laughs> or, or, but they used to love me in Texas. And after 2005, buddy, even to this day, they can't even say, batting fifth, <laughs> the first, but boom! Everybody start booing me. I never seen so many boos. But I love it. You know, it's it's either two things. They either boo you because you've done something really, really bad in your career, or they boo you because you've done something really, really good against their team. And I think it was just that. I take it like that. You know, it's uh, one of the teams that I hear the most honor against, uh, Texas, uh, Houston. So, but man, those rival was, it's, it's pretty special, you know, it, it catch me. But even right now, I know I'm nowhere in the Cardinals uniform, but when I go back, it takes me, man, to that moment in 2005 and those, and those rival against Houston, you know, that we used to play, you know, or four or, 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 or five or six, you know, those, they were pretty intense because they had a really good ball club. They really did. Berkman told me that when you hit the home run, he said it got so quiet that I could hear Albert's spikes in the dirt as he rounded first and that it was, was and it was that, unbelievable and that was that is the truth bro i can hear my step that's that place was so loud i don't know if you ever went to a playoff game there but man you remember they used to call it the killer beads and they had these things yeah, yeah yeah bro hour and a half later after every playoff game there like 
I would have been in bed, and all I hear was just that. And and it took it took I'm pretty sure everybody it took everybody a long time to unwind from all that, man. And that place was so loud, <laughs> and to be able to do that, man, it was like, I mean, to me, I know everybody's like, wow, that was a big honor, yeah, at that time. But you know, the next day, Roy Oswald came and shut us down, you know, for nine innings, so we didn't get to go to the World Series, you know, so. You know, but they're fun, fun memories, you know. Oh, absolutely. I love talking about this stuff with you. That is uh, Albert Pools from my Garage Happy Hour. And you can hear the entire, uh, watch the entire interview on our Facebook page, KMOX Sports. Also, the KMOX Sports Twitter account has it. Mine does, too. Uh, Garage Happy Hour is fun. We uh, have a good time chatting with these folks. No idea who I'm going to have this Thursday, but I'll figure it out, James. I'll figure it out. I'll get get somebody. We'll we'll have some fun. I, I haven't really... I uh, haven't really reached out just yet, but I know uh, we'll have a good time on Thursday at 5.30 on the KMOX Sports Facebook page. Thanks to everyone for their support of this show, too. Just a little show out of my garage that just uh, has been uh, a real pleasure, and it's because of class acts like Albert Poole saying yes. We'll come back and have John Mosaic. He always says yes to Sunday morning. 11.30 is his spot. He is next. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to the Lux Calore International Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. John Mosaloc, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, is with us. John, I don't want to keep you too long. I know this is a busy time for you, but I'll just say that getting back on the field is a huge accomplishment. Winning one game in Chicago would have been a tremendous accomplishment but winning a double header is very, very special, I would imagine, for you and your club. Yeah, you know, honestly, just getting back playing was was really sort of the, the big victory. And, you know, clearly when you have the opportunity to win games, that's nice. But, you know, like we were sort of all like reflecting last night just on the fact that, you know, yesterday kind of felt right. And it was just a feeling that was, was nice to see. And it was really predicated regardless of the success we had on, on the field. And so, you know, I know our fans want us to win and I'm, I'm grateful for that, but you know, just what we've been through over the last two and a half weeks, just not having to, you know, sweat test results, not having to worry whether we were going to get the okay or not was, was just a much different feeling. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're back playing. Um, there's always little hurdles throughout um, our day. And, you know, hopefully uh, we can continue to have some success today. But, you know, just being back at the ballpark feels good. Absolutely. I'm, I'm certain. And then to win two, icing on the cake. Uh, you have players that just come up from Springfield and start working, you know. And, and you had Dylan Carlson, Jake Woodford, and Max Schrock in there yesterday making their Major League debuts. John Nagowski today. And those three yesterday all contributed, didn't they, Mo? They did. Um, you know, and, and I think that was part of, of our strategy when we got back was was to have some guys that have been actually working out and playing. And and so, you know, clearly that that's a benefit. But, you know, I will say from a pitching standpoint, our guys looked really sharp yesterday. Um, there was a lot of things that were exciting to see. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was, was really Woody in, in how – you know, he stayed aggressive. He, he, he got to, to throw pitches he needed to and, and hit spots. And then Alex Reyes was electric. So, 
you know, those are, those are some baseball positives, which again, I haven't spent a whole lot of time like trying to think through those yet, but you know, again, just being back on the field, we got a sunny day up here in Chicago today. So, uh, Looking forward that we can just take that another step forward. Yeah, it has to feel good. Here's a little bit of that yesterday. The 2-2 delivery to Robert. Swung on and missed. He got him. 99 miles an hour. He blew Luis Robert away. That's Ricky Horton with the call then. Alex comes set at the belt. The 6-4 right-hander delivers. Swing and a miss. He got him. Reyes strikes out the side. Ooh, he's got a little. How about that call from Horton? He, he got you got him fired up for sure. And Reyes looked great. And like you said, I think the electricity was felt. Uh, and I, I think that you know it all starts for me with Adam Wainwright, the first one to touch the baseball. You know, I mean, he comes out there in the bottom of the first and sets the tone for you. How nice to have the veteran continuing to lead your club, John. Yeah, I think there's there's two key things that happened in that first game. One was a, I'd almost called an epic at bat by Colton Wong mm-hmm. um, to 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 get it all going, and then to have that lead, and then you know Adam came out and, and it was just super efficient, and you know that's that's no surprise because of what he's meant to this organization for so long. But um, he didn't stumble, you know, he took it and he ran with it, and. Uh, you know, it was grateful and, and probably the perfect guide to make that start because, you know, everything we're going through, we've got some younger guys in our rotation that we've got to, we got to protect. And, and, you know, Adam was able to go deep in a game, which was something that was uh, important for us with getting our first game back in 18 days. It was a pretty special. Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run, had an infield hit that drove in a run. Tyler O'Neill went down, got one, drove it out of the ballpark. There were a lot of big moments for your team up and uh, up and down. But going back to Carlson to make his Major League debut after a long, long wait, probably just had to feel good for people. Uh, I know the fans were, were amped up, but just for everybody to see someone that you think so highly of wearing number three and playing a Major League game. What a special day for Dylan and his family. Absolutely. And uh, he and I were chatting the other night and I told him like, look, you're, you're the freshest we have, at least uh, that's been playing. So you're going to get an opportunity to, to play all the outfield positions. And so, you know, make the most of it and have some fun with it. And, you know, we're excited that he's up here and, um, you know, he's going to get a chance to play, which is most important. How are things going in terms of everybody coming back? How does that work, John? I know that they, there are a number of tests they still have to pass once they pass back-to-back uh, negatives. Yeah, so that's a little complicated, but um, we are working through that process now. Um, I do believe we'll have some people that are cleared as soon as today. And... Um, you know, we'll certainly start to see a rolling group of, of, of players starting to get cleared to get back to baseball. But now we've got to get them doing things and, and get it, their bodies back to being active. So it, it, just when you're clear, it doesn't mean you're added back to the roster. So I would just tell our fan base to be patient. But um, the good news is um, we are getting healthier on that front. And, um, you know, from a, a symptomatic standpoint, um, I think all our players are asymptomatic at this point. And majority of our staff is starting to feel much better as well. So all encouraging news. Very, very good to hear. And finally, I know you've told this story probably several times, but uh, the the caravan of cars, that is just, uh, I, it got a lot of attention, and I think rightfully so. That's, that's old school with everybody hopping in a car and doing it, but it had to be done, didn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I got to give a shout out to Ernie Moore for mm-hmm. pulling that all together. Um, you know, it, it sounds kind of simple, but it's not. And, and so to, to, to have it all work out, I got to admit, as we were like driving up the other day, I was like so nervous that something was going to go wrong. And, and uh, knock on wood, we, we got up here with no major events and uh, it did actually work. So it's was, it was pretty cool to see for sure. Ernie Moore, the team's traveling secretary after the longtime run by C.J. Cherry in that position. It just goes to show you how, how important every single person is in this organization to make it happen, uh, the logistics, and to get a ball club into a ballpark was a huge accomplishment, and the Cardinals won both games. So we'll see what happens today. A one ten start against the White Sox. Best of luck, John Mosellock, and thank you, as always, for the time. All right, sounds good. Talk soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. John Mosellock with us on KMOX. A quick break. We'll come back, and let's hear Taylor Twelman, what he had to say to close things out about St. Louis City SC. We'll also get you ready for the Blues and Canucks tonight. Back in a moment on KMOX. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to the Lux Calore International Sports on a Sunday morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you, and what a treat to be joined by this great St. Louis. And Taylor Twelman is with us, the great St. Louis soccer legend through the years and also an excellent broadcaster on ESPN. He's done a terrific job with MLS and all things soccer and now is with us after you emceed that uh, initial press conference at the Palladium to get MLS started in St. Louis what did you think about today, St. Louis City SC? Good to be with you, Taylor. Yeah, it's just finally here, right, my man? Yeah, uh, absolutely. In a, glo- in a global pandemic, uh, it feels a little weird that we can actually just take a step away and enjoy something for the city of St. Louis and whatnot. So it just feels like a, I'm a little guilty to like be like, should we celebrate this? And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it's just refreshing that, uh, you and I are having a conversation that a MLS franchise is coming to St. Louis. It's been a long time coming. It does feel good, doesn't it? I don't know how they kept that name under wraps for so long, but they did. St. Louis City SC, for those who have not seen the crest, you can go to KMOX.com and look at it, or St. Louis SC on their website. But, uh, Taylor, it's a crest that is in the shape of a shield. It has the arch. It has three rivers. It's red and blue prominently with St. Louis City on the right side, what do you think? I loved it. I loved it from the moment I saw it. Um, and this is about transforming a city that needs to be transformed. And this is a vehicle that's going to help that. The sport is inclusive. Uh, the sport is diverse. And those are two things that St. Louis, uh, I think you and I would both agree on, need to become better at. And I think this is going to be one of those vehicles to help do that. I love everything about it. Um, But I want to make one thing abundantly clear, uh, as I have from the beginning. I actually don't care about any of this as long as they win, as long as they come in and represent the city of St. Louis. And we all know what the Cardinals have done, what the Blues have done, when you come in and you win right away, you've got the most loyal fan base in this country, and you get them on, on your side. So whether the color was brown, whether the color was what it is, which I love, I, I just, Tom, I just don't really care because the city deserves this. That stadium is going to be epic, and I think the moment people walk in there, soccer fans or not, 
they're going to realize that this city has a real history with the sport, and the team's going to try to represent that to the best of their ability. When I travel around the country and people ask, hey, where are you from? Do I say that I'm from Creve Corps? I say that I'm from St. Louis. St. Louis is my city, and I grew up in the county. I've worked downtown for 23 years, but St. Louis is my city, and I know what you're driving at, and I feel the same way. It's an ability for us to show that the region is the city. Actually, we're the city. We're all the city, and it's an attempt, I think, not only to celebrate soccer but to bring everybody together. Absolutely. And I think ultimately that's what the Taylor family and the ownership group looked at uh, they listen to, um, and I know there's going to be some feedback. Listen, there's other cities uh, in Major League Soccer. Listen, there's other cities uh, in the team names in England and around the world. It, 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 again, I go back to the point that the crest is awesome. It represents St. Louis and what it is. Um, the colors are on point, and I think as this thing you know, keeps coming out and gains momentum, and they start with their hiring announcements and whatnot. This thing's going to have a real momentum when 2023 this thing opens and that stadium's ready to go. So I, I love everything about it, um, but it's more so just the fact that you and I are actually talking about uh, tangible stuff regarding the Major League St. Uh, franchise in St. Louis, now known as St. Louis City. You played in MLS. You know what it takes to win. What is the next step now for this group? How do they go about winning and getting something going in 2023? Well, there's two ways to look at it, right? There, there, there's formulas, both good and bad, with what expansion has done in Major League Soccer and how you do it. However, very few of those expansion teams over the last 10 to 12 years have the history of St. Louis. So I'm building it from the bottom up. I'm not worried about the first team right now. I'm not worried about the team that's going to open uh, that stadium. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is the grassroots, the academy, making sure I am very clear with my messaging to everyone in that city, whether you're north side, south side, St. Charles, across the river in Illinois, if you're in Arkansas, if you're in Iowa, whatever it may be, we are your team. If you are good, we are going to find you, and you are going to represent St. Louis in Major League Soccer. That's how I'm building this. Because the, the, the first team that comes the way LAFC, the way Atlanta United did it with their academy teams, they did it and started. That's how you build an identity. That's how you build a style of play. That's how you lay the foundation within this, this city. This city has a real history. And I reiterate, very few cities have the history of soccer the way St. Louis does. But you're now playing in the big league, and you're now playing where there are multiple, multiple cities that have now laid their footprint into a league where you haven't. So you've got to make sure you've got all your ducks in a row locally, and then opening day, then you build that roster. But the first thing I'm doing right now is not building that first-team roster. That will come because that's 2023, and you're asking me this in August of 2020. Tom, you've got plenty of time. You've got to remember the World Cup ends in 2022, so you want to keep your, your, your options open with that. You don't know who's going to become available players-wise, but you start your system, you start your style, you start all of that with the academy and building the foundation within the city and local states, 
and then you worry about that first team on 2023. He is the all-time leading goal scorer for the New England Revolution in MLS, a former MVP of the league, a five-time All-Star. Taylor Twelman is with us, and you have watched this league flourish. What has it done to succeed to this point? It has grown exponentially. Yeah, it's become less of a family sport and more of the younger professional. You know, my first game in Toronto, and while we all celebrate what Seattle and Portland and Vancouver and Cascadia has done for this league, Tom, it took it to another level. Toronto came into this league. You showed up. You played at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and everyone was drinking. And you walked onto that field and said, wait a minute, where are we? That's where this thing changed. The soccer-specific stadiums have completely changed the complexion of this league, but then it's the atmospheres and the infrastructure that's there. Now, what's ultimately going to take it to the next level, and I don't want to bore your listeners with that, is about developing younger players and then selling them and all of that. But that, that's the technical stuff. When you look at what this, this league has done with the infrastructure and the atmosphere, and as I say, the stadium experience, people are going to be absolutely shocked in St. Louis. The non-soccer fans, which is very few, but we know they exist, The Blues fans, the Cardinals fans are going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. They're going to show up to this game and go, this is what this is? Oh, boy. Uh, We all love Bush Stadium. We all love the cards. We're all cards fans for life. I'm not saying I'm not. But it is an apples-to-oranges experience, and it's younger, it's more vibrant, and it is way more exciting than going to a Cardinals baseball game at Bush Stadium. And I think people are going to be stunned when they actually see it. You know, it's actually nice, and the fact that MLS pushed this back a year was for a lot of reasons, but they are planning to complete this stadium in 2022, Taylor, so they'll have some time between then and the start of the 2023 season to work out operations, to have other events. I mean, this is St. Louis's venue now. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. But soccer's at the forefront of that venue, and that's the first thing they worry about. That's the first thing the Taylor family and the ownership group are worried about, and that's the way it should be. Uh, and then you, you know, supply it with other events, and of course, it becomes St. Louis, St. Louis's facility. And most importantly, Tom, no one talks about this. Twenty twenty six World Cup, countries are going to show up in the United States and need places to train. They're going to see this facility and the training facility, and immediately start fighting over who gets that for the World Cup. And that's where the city of St. Louis resonates internationally. And then all of a sudden you're talking about World Cup qualifiers, and you're talking about a completely different kettle of fish, where now St. Louis becomes an international hotbed for the sport and not just something in the region. St. Louis City SC is official. Taylor Twelman, before we let you go, what are you up to now? We're watching you on ESPN. You're on there prominently. Yeah, I love what I do, um, and uh, I feel very fortunate, Tom, that I found something that I absolutely had no idea I would like doing and be good at. Um, but today I spent most of my days celebrating my, my family roots in the city of St. Louis and just listening to so many people in that city and that excitement for that opening day 2023. So even though I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, there was a big part of me in St. Louis over the last 24 hours. You're a big part of us, that's for sure. We love having you on KMOX, and we'll have to do it again soon. Thank you so much for the time. Great hearing your voice, my man. There he is, Terry Latwellman. Great to hear from him as well. Exciting to have another professional team. We knew we had a team here in St. Louis. Now it has a name, St. Louis City SC. And it really is a special, I think, idea 
And I understand that through the years, the city and the county have been two different places geographically. But I think like we talked in the beginning of the show, city refers to all of us because St. Louis is our city. And that is the whole point, is that transformation that Taylor was just talking about. But also, as he said, who cares? As long as they win, that's going to be the very important thing. Winning is a huge thing when it comes to professional sports if you want staying power. I mean, even in a a loyal sports city like this one, you got to win. And you got to show the ability to put a successful product on the field. That's what the Cardinals have done through their history. That's what the Blues did last year. And now the pressure's on. I mean, the Blues need to win tonight. They they can't lose this game. They lose this game. They're down 0-3, and their season is going to be uh, dangling there for game four. You win this game, you get some momentum back, and I would not count the Blues out. I think that it is uh, a mistake to count them out based on what they did last year, time and again, coming back, climbing a mountain. But this is a different season, and all of these teams started from the same starting block the Blues, a big, tough, physical team, feasted on teams that had a grind of a season. Now some of these teams are fresh. They're flying. The Blues have got to adjust and find a way to attack this Canucks team and recapture that urgency that they had in the third period last game and find a way to win this game tonight. It's going to be a late one, 930, and uh, all the best to our friends over the St. Louis Blues as they pretty much have their season on the line. We'll see what they end up. I don't know that they've announced a goaltender yet. Have they, James? Uh, J- Jordan Bennington or Jake Allen. We'll see what they do. Thanks for joining us. Sports on a Sunday morning. Cardinal baseball comes your way. Twelve fifteen pregame. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.